Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I just think is just interesting, uh, which is angels and demons. Angels and demons, and do they exist? You know, you can do studies. You could go to Alpha Crucis Bible College and do an entire term on angelology. Some of you didn't know that was a thing. It is. You do an entire term in demonology, right? So you, so you can study this. I got like 40 minutes, okay? So what I'm, so yeah, thank you. So uh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to touch on this topic. I'm going to try to tell you as much as I can in the time that we have. And I may not share your favorite scripture about this topic, but that doesn't matter because I think I'll have enough for you to know, hopefully a little bit more than you did know when we started today and hopefully get us on the right track. So there should be a starting point for this entire series. I often say this at the beginning of this series, here is our starting point. We believe that the Word of God is written by God. We put our faith and our trust in the Scriptures. Amen? So as this series can be a little bit teachy, one of the things that we believe um, at this church, we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the Scriptures, that they are inerrant in their original uh, uh, original written form. Okay, so I'm also glad that the English translation of the original version is so accurate that I can have confidence in what this says. And I mention this because where we go when it comes to this series, is we go from what the Scriptures say, from what the Word of, uh, of God says. Because guys, I, I got plenty of stories, but at the end of the day, if the Word says it, that's what matters to me and it should matter, hopefully, to you. So I'm going to begin with a Scripture today. I'm going to read out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For by Him, and it's talking about Jesus, all things were created. I take that to mean that He existed before everything that was created. It kind of wrecks your brain a little bit when you think about it. Jesus was never created. He's eternal. So it says, All things were created. Things in heaven, that's the spiritual realm. And things on earth, visible and invisible. How about that? Jesus has created things that are invisible to you. Things that are invisible, whether thrones, and that's talking about God's throne, or dominions, or rulers. And that word for rulers in the Greek language, archai, means a supernatural being with authority. Now, that could be good or not. Okay, that could be positive or that could be negative. Uh, So we're talking about spiritual things. It says, all authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. There is an invisible realm. And if you're new to church or you're not sure what you believe, you owe it to yourself to figure that thing out. Because the spiritual actually precedes the natural. That existed first and and then this. So we would do well to figure out what that thing is. That's eternal. This is temporal. It matters. We're talking about angels and demons. Now, where would we go to learn about that? Well, Dan Brown wrote a book called Angels and Demons, and I'd encourage you to not read it. 
because I don't think it'll be of any value to you. It's not going to help you. It's amazing to me how many movies are made about angels and demons. If you want to great read a, uh, or watch a great documentary, Keanu Reeves stars in Constantine. Um, and uh, it's not a documentary, it's a movie. It's, you know, fun and ridiculous and will probably offend you. So maybe don't watch it, you know, but, but they're touched by an angel. You know, there's, there's all these different things about, I actually Googled it last night and it brought up a huge list. There's obviously an interest. Even in Hollywood, there's an interest in the things of the spirit realm. Now, the things of the spirit are interesting because spiritual things are often invisible. You know, those are things that we don't see. Uh, you know, when we try to interpret the world, we would do this, interpret this physical world through our, through our five senses, okay? So sight, taste, touch, smell, hearing, right? We, we interpret the world. But, but how are you supposed to interpret something that's invisible? If all your senses are able to do is to touch the things in, in this world. And this is where I think people struggle with it. Certainly there are people around the world, as we know, that don't believe in spiritual things. And I think it's primarily because of this issue, because it's invisible, because there's something in here that's not awakened to the things of the, of the spiritual. Come on, I cannot be the only person who realised that Jesus is invisible, right? And yet billions of people are putting their faith in Him. That's interesting, isn't it? Even though we, we can't see Him all the time, but we can certainly hear Him, we can feel Him. He speaks to us and we pray to Him. I think it's such an interesting thing. There are times where uh, people will have what is spiritual and veiled revealed. I'll give you a great story about this. In the Scriptures, an angel comes to some shepherds who were in a field and uh, says that Jesus is going to be born. And then it says, suddenly, you can read this in the, in the Gospel of Luke. It says, suddenly there was a multitude of angels singing, holy, holy, holy. Like it's suddenly a multitude. What happened? I think what appeared to be sudden to them was always there, simply revealed to them. Does that make sense? I don't think that the angels were somewhere else and then they all suddenly arrived. Yes, you can have sound effects in church. How about that, right? They all suddenly arrived and they, they appeared. No, I think what happened is the shepherds were in the field and then it was revealed to them and they suddenly saw what was always there. This happens multiple times. Read the Old Testament. There's a prophet by the name of Elisha. He has a servant. His servant wakes up, walks outside and realises that they're surrounded by an army. He freaks out. He goes back into Elisha and says, we're surrounded. Elisha says to him, don't worry. There are more for us than there are against us. Well, at that point, I wonder if the servant of the man of God thought that his master had flipped his lid because he says, are you, what are you kidding me? Like, just take a look outside. Where are our people? So Elisha prays to God and he says, reveal it to this man. And suddenly he sees all the angels and the chariots of fire. And he, and he exclaims the same thing. Ah, there are more with us than there are against us. They were always there, but it was just revealed to him in a moment. He couldn't see them because they were of the Spirit. So when we talk about spiritual things, when we talk about, let's talk about angels, okay? Let's, that's what we're here to talk about. So, so angels are pure spirit, but we have a lot in common with them. So if I was to say to you, talk about your, uh, your will, 
your emotion and your intellect, if I put a circle around those things, those things would comprise of what? Your soul. When we talk about your soul, that's what we, that's what we talk about. Well, angels have the same thing. So angels, uh, they have a, a mind, they have an intellect, they have emotion, they have all the same things that we do. Angels can talk to people, they can listen, they can hear, they get excited, they get real excited over one thing. Can I read it to you? Jesus said this in Luke 15 verse 10, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What brings joy to the angels is when they see people understanding the gospel. They love it. And one of the things that the angels want to do is to help do the work of God to reveal to people what God is doing in their life and what He has done for them. They love seeing people encounter the gospel. Just for the benefit of those people that might be here today and don't know what the gospel is, it is the greatest message you'll ever hear. Now, the reality is, is that, you know, each one of us, we have sin in our lives. We have mistakes. You might not think you have sin, you know, but, but you do. It means that margin of error in your life, the mistakes that you've made. And let's face it, we've all made mistakes. And the penalty for those mistakes is eternal separation from God. However, Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and He came and lived a life that we could never live. We couldn't do it, so God said, I'll do it for you. He came and lived a life that we could never live, and then He died the death that we're supposed to die, and He did it in our place. And anyone who believes that message has only to confess that message, and then you have all the penalty for all of your mistakes paid. How does this happen? It happens by faith in what Jesus has done. Now, the angels, they've seen it. Come on, like God created them, and they existed before we did. So they have seen the Word become flesh and dwell amongst us. They saw Jesus live on planet earth. They watched Him die. They watched Him be buried. And they also watched Him be resurrected. And they love it when people figure that part out. They love it. In fact, the angels are all about the work of God. That's what they do. They are trying or not trying, they do. They, they assist God with all of His plans and do the work that He's asked them to do. So, so here are a couple of things that are good for you to know about angels. If you read the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 10, he says that 10,000 times 10,000 angels stood before Him. So I did the math just to help you out. Uh, it's 100 million so, so what I don't think is that, you know, he was counting them, one, two, three, two, three, two, three, two. you know, I don't think he was, I think they went as far back as he could see, yeah. that he just, he couldn't count them all. It was what, a multitude, yeah. okay? And, and so like, but we're talking like hundreds of millions of angels that are, that, that are with God and, 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 and he sees that and it, and it kind of blows him away. Now, I, I look at that and think, man, that's a, that's a lot of angels. And I don't know if God is still making them. You know, <laughs> I've, I don't. There are some things I don't know. Um, ask Sarah, she would say, there's lots of things you don't know, you know. Uh, there are some things I don't know. Uh, but is their number fixed? I have no idea. But one of the things that Jesus said 
as he said, when we die, there's no marriage in heaven. He said, remember this, you'll be like the angels. So I take that to mean that they don't do family the way that we do family. And I take that to mean that there aren't angels, uh, male and female angels that are getting together and having little, little baby. <laughs> Cupid angels that are just making everybody fall in love. Right? I don't think that that's what is happening in, in heaven. I think that there's just angels. So maybe the number is fixed. And, you know, at the end of the day, God can do whatever he wants. But there are different types of angels. How about that? Uh, we've got the seraphim. We've got the cherubim. There, there are actually, there are living creatures in heaven. You can read about this in the book of Revelation. There are living creatures in heaven that we don't really even talk about or know anything uh, uh, about, but they are in there. And so I think we'll, we'll probably get to heaven and we'll be surprised. But these angels, there, there is a structure. There is, there is a process. Oh, I love that God is a God of process. Uh, so there's a, there's, a, there's a hierarchy here of angels and they can only be in one place at one time. So they're not like God. You know, God is omnipresent, which means that He is everywhere. Well, the angels can only be in one place at one time. And just like, what do they do? Like, what are some of the things that angels do? And this is the cool part. This is probably the part that you might have wanted to know. Angels, they watch over people and they even interact with people. Just read the scriptures and, and have a look for yourself. Actually, the Bible says that sometimes we can even entertain angels and be completely unaware of it. You might have met angels and you don't even know about it. They might have helped you and you don't know. You know what they do? They protect people. They love the people of God. They love God's people, right? So they're going to help and protect and guide and lead and do the work of God. Listen to what Psalm 91 says. Verse 11, He will command His angels concerning uh, you to guard you in all your ways. They're doing heaven's work on earth. You remember the story when Jesus goes into the desert to be tempted by Satan, who he defeated, I might add. And then it says after that, what happened? That the, the angels ministered to him. This happens in the Old Testament too. Not Elisha, but Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal. And afterwards he was just exhausted and, and slipping into a state of depression. And an angel says, come on, get up, wake up. Take some food. You've got a journey that's ahead of you. They, they seem to show up at times when people need them. And it's, it's like I say, it's possible that they've shown up in your life and you weren't even aware of it. I mean, the, the early church, they believed in angels. And something that I thought was even more interesting than that, they seem to actually believe in guardian angels. We don't really see too much about that. You know, people talk about that. I wondered about that. Are there really guardian angels. Well, here's some of the things that angels do. Evidently, they are very good at getting people out of prison because they did it multiple times. You know, people are just getting rescued. So just, you know, keep that in your back pocket. Anyway, um, but, but they rescue, they get people out of, you know, they come in and chains break off. Anyway, one time it happens to Peter and Peter is let out and he says that he sort of comes to himself and he realizes, oh my gosh, like that was real. That wasn't a dream. An angel has actually led me out of prison. So he's got to get off the streets, right? People could see him. So he goes to where the disciples are. They're huddled up, presumably praying. And uh, they're huddled up somewhere because of course people are getting arrested for preaching Jesus, you know, back in first century. So, so Peter goes to where they are and he starts 
knocking on the door trying to get in. Well, a servant girl by the name of Rhoda, she hears the knocking and she can hear him speaking. I, I, I believe he was probably saying, let me in, right? And so she hears him and what is her reaction? She goes away to get the disciples, doesn't open the door, goes away and gets the disciples. She goes, Peter's here. They're like, it's not him. It is him. It's not him. Well, who is it? This is what they say. It's probably his angel. That's weird, right? To be honest, that left me with more questions than answers. Like, why would an angel be knocking on the door when they're spirit and they can pass through objects? You know, like, why would they think, right? God help those disciples. Why would they think that an angel is impersonating Peter's voice and not, and it doesn't matter, it's not the point, right? But they obviously believed that he had an angel. Not everyone agrees with that, but I think that there's room for that to absolutely believe it. The angels, they, they come and they help and they lead and they guide and they break people out of prison. And they are all about the work of God. They're all about heaven's plans on earth. I'll give you another good story. When, after Jesus um, had died and, and was buried, do you remember on Sunday morning that the Marys found that the tomb was empty and that they ran to get the disciples and the disciples came back and they found that the tomb was empty? You know that story, yeah? Okay, and, and how did they know? I'm actually going to ask this question, right? How did they know that the tomb was empty? The stone was rolled away. Well, they didn't roll that away for Jesus because He's God and He can just get out of there. So why did they roll it away? Now, you've got to understand this is, and I did do a little bit of reading about this, probably a two-ton rock. You want to know about angels? They're strong, like super strong. You think you're good at bench press. And then you realise the angels can roll away a two-ton rock. They did it just like that too. They roll away a two-ton rock. Why? Because what they're doing is they're helping the disciples to come and realise that Jesus is alive. They're actually all about the gospel. They want the people to know that Jesus is alive. And they're at work doing a revealing work so that we could know that incredible truth that we still celebrate today. Amen? Amen. This is what angels do. And you know what? They're still at work today. They're still doing things on planet Earth today. We know some of their names. I'll give you the names of a couple. There was an archangel by the name of Michael, an archangel by the name of Gabriel. That's actually two of a group of seven archangels that we know about that are actually named in the Scriptures. And then there was a, an, another angel by the name of Satan. And he actually became something else. One of the most amazing things about the Scriptures is that they have this ability to speak about the current events of their day and at the same time, they speak about an eternal, eternal spiritual truth. And these scriptures don't happen separate. They actually seem to overlap in a way that I think points to an author that's outside of time and space. Has to be, has to be, right? So this is what the scriptures say in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. This is one of those overlapping scriptures. It says in verse 12, how you were fallen from heaven. Well, that's interesting. I don't know, how could they be talking about a, a human being? How you were fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. 
how you were cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I'll set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. Many, many, many scholars and commentators, people that are, let's just call them Bible experts that read this stuff. That's their job. That's what they do to understand the Scriptures and they write it out for people to be able to understand it even better, would say that that Scripture is about Satan. That's actually about what happened to him. That's where it started. And the truth is there are more than this, but we got limited time here today. So we're just going to kind of stick with one, all right? But the name Satan, just so you know, it means adversary. The name Satan means adversary. And Satan was an angel who tried to lead a rebellion against God and failed. Now, if you read the Scriptures, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, it seems to indicate that one third of the angels decided to follow Satan in that rebellion against God. That's astonishing. He must be very convincing. Somehow he's so convincing that he's able to lead angels who know that they were created by God and stood in the presence of the Most High and they still said, yep, we'll go with you, Satan. What a bad idea that was. That's, that's, a, that's a bad idea. Now, those angels that followed Satan became demons. They became demons. Now, I said, you know, in the you know, book of Daniel, he said a uh, hundred million or multitude, right? Now, now, if a third of the angels became demons, that's a lot of demons. So it's not just a few guys running around trying to cause havoc. That's, that's a lot of demons. And what do the demons do? Well, in the same way that the angels fulfill the plans of God, the demons fulfill the plans of the devil. And what they want to do is completely destroy people. That they're about a, the satanic agenda that God have, with, that, that, that the devil has, which is what? Well, what? What is he really about? Well, one of the things that the devil wants to do is to deny the truth of the gospel, deny who Jesus is, deny what God has done. And they do that to people all the time. He loves to twist what the Scriptures say. And when we think about people getting caught up in demonic activity, right? I don't know what you think of, a pentagram with candles and someone's drinking goat's blood or something, I don't know, right? You, you, you think of different things, right? No, 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 maybe in some parts, yeah, sure. But actually, if we think about Satan's demonic agenda, it's probably just to convince you that he doesn't exist and you just go ahead and worship yourself. Yeah. He's really happy with that. Look, it really doesn't matter as long as you don't worship Jesus. Because if you don't worship Jesus and you get to the end of your life, you go into eternal separation, the place that was prepared for who? the devil and his angels, okay? So, so they would be very happy for you to not believe. And there is a network of evil, a hierarchy. We don't know much about the hierarchy. I'm going to read a scripture to you in a little bit that talks about, you know, this potential hierarchy. But one of the things that we do know is that there are demons that have authority over cities. The Prince of Persia, 
the Prince of Greece. If you want to learn more about that, read through the book of Daniel and it talks about these demonic activities and strongholds over certain cities. And if you were smart and spiritually awake, you would see that that stuff, it still happens today. There is definitely, undoubtedly demonic activity on the earth. Now, when we, when we learn about, uh, you know, demons and we, and we learn from, you know, like television, they always seem to be portrayed as these like cute little mischievous guys. Always red. <laughs> little horns. Hooves as feet. Pitchfork? Right, and and I, I see that description. I think that's that's not how the scriptures describe demons. That's not how the scriptures really. They don't describe the devil like that. I think you know it's it's so fascinating to me that you know the church who are advancing the kingdom of God have get 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 bad press, and and while Lucifer is writing his own TV series, and people are loving it. There's a TV series called Lucifer. And to be honest, I haven't watched it. So, you know, I don't necessarily take what I'm about to say as, as truth. But, you know, like my understanding is, because I've seen little bits of it, Lucifer, he's just, uh, maybe a, he's not all bad. It's not all bad. You know, he's just maybe a bit misunderstood. You know, and, and some unfair things have happened to him, right? Like he's, he's getting some great press out there, you know? And... Uh, Meanwhile, that's got nothing to do with what he wants to do on planet Earth. Do you know what the scriptures say about Satan? Is they say that the reason that he came is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, "I came to have life, and that you may have it abundantly." But what do the what do, what do the demons do? They outwork the the stealing, the killing, and the destroying. Like that's what they do. And, and trust me, they're not cute. They're not they're not little, and they're not just little mischievous. They will destroy everything in your life and not even blink. They don't care. There's no love lost. Like, like you, you know, you think about the worst person on planet Earth, right? And you think, oh, come on, have a heart. They have no heart. They hate people. They want to destroy marriages. They want to destroy lives. They will take the life of anyone and they don't care one bit. What are they doing? They are outworking what the devil wants to do on planet Earth. So, so what can they actually do? Now, I got a, guys, I got a whole heap of stories, right? But Maybe we should just look at what the Scriptures actually reveal to be about what demons do. Yeah. I want you leaving today saying, well, Pastor Ben told us some great stories about what demons can do. Um, let's look at what the Word says. It actually says that people can have physical impairments yeah. because of demonic activity in their life. Yeah. It talks about people having seizures. Yeah. Seizures. So medically, we, we would diagnose that, but actually Jesus cast something out of a little boy yeah. that was giving him seizures. Yeah, people had the physical manifestation of sickness in their lives. Why? There was demonic activity happening in their lives. And so sometimes we see this being manifested in their life. What is going on here? Well, there's been plenty of movies made about this next part. The Bible actually talks about people being demonized, right? Like, when you watch The Exorcist, you know, that's, that's what we mean, like being demonized. And I, it, the Bible talks about it in a number of different places, but I'll, I'll tell you one story. I, I, I have seen this and witnessed this 
myself. Years ago, our church was located across from a train station. People just used to wander in. It was pretty awesome, actually. And one day this guy came in and he said, hey, you got to pray for me. I've never seen him before. Don't know him. He's not into witchcraft. He's not, you know, drinking the blood of goats and, you know, nothing like that. Just this guy that says, I think I need some prayer. And uh, he, he doesn't go to church. I think maybe went to church when he was a kid. I'm trying to figure out what he really needs. I ask him a number of questions and he doesn't um, really answer them properly. I said, come on, come sit down. Let's, let's have a chat about it. As, as we began to speak, I said, all right, look, look you say you need some prayer. Let, let's just pray for you. So I begin to pray in tongues. And the moment that I do that, he starts to move and it, it, weird things start to happen with this guy. Now, I would say that this is something that I've never seen it quite to this extent. I've, I've seen a number of things happen, right? But, but this, this one really stood out to me. As I began to pray and pray for him and pray over him, he slipped off his seat and began to writhe around on the ground like a snake. And I thought, all right, that's new. And so <laughs> I haven't seen this yet at that stage. And so he's, he's writhing around. As I continue to pray, he rears up like this, like a, like a cobra. And then he had a lot of flexibility. And I've never, because I've, never, I've actually never seen someone be able to maintain their balance and go up like that. And I thought, oh, this, is, this is interesting. I'm going to get someone and we're going we're gonna to pray together over this guy. So I, I leaned out of the office that I was in. And I called out to a friend of mine who was working at the church. I said, hey, can you come down here? He said, what do you need help with? I'm like, uh, you'll find out. Just come on. Yeah. And, and so uh, he walked straight into the room. And as he walked in, I'm not joking. He took one look and he was like, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. He said, I've never seen this guy pray to this. I've never seen him pray like this before. Right. So we start praying. And then this actually did happen. He rears up like this and he just projectile vomits everywhere. And so, so I have seen demonic stuff happen and, and I've, I've seen it. So what are, we, what are we talking about here? Now, this is what's interesting about demons. When we read about angels, they can manifest their presence. And there are multiple times we read that in Scripture. Yeah? But you never read about a demon manifesting in the same way. They seem to actually need an entity to work through and oftentimes that entity is people so what are we talking about well i don't actually believe in demon possession because possession implies ownership and the devil doesn't get to own anyone at any point if a person confesses christ jesus can walk into that situation and deal with it and the and and the demons and the devil have no authority. So what do we see when we see this kind of thing, like the story I just told? What's really going on there? And I would say it's actually demon oppression. But oppression is like a scale. Imagine it like a dial. So, you know, a, a dial, a, a, you turn up the dial to number one. And to be honest, for the most part, people probably don't even notice number one. They just live with it. But there's some oppression. There, there, there's something attached maybe, but they just live with it. It's, the symptoms are mild. And they're still present, but not enough for you to actually be aware or do anything about it. If we continue to turn that dial up, let's say we turn the dial all the way up to 10, what we would say is that person looks possessed, but they're not actually possessed. They're just oppressed. Yeah. And at any point when Jesus wants to, 
he can actually just walk in and turn that dial down and change that situation. And if you read the scriptures, we see it happen again and again and again. There are different spirits that oppress people. I'll, I'll give you a couple of these things, right? There is a spirit of confusion. It's like people just, it doesn't matter. There's like a fog that comes over them and you're speaking to them. You know, you know the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. That sounds, like, that sounds something like that, doesn't it? There's a spirit of unbelief. You know, you're explaining it, but they just can't get it. People don't see it. There's a spirit of the Antichrist. There's religious spirits, witchcraft spirits. There are sexual spirits. There are people that are absolutely addicted to pornography and other things and they don't seem to be able to break free and there's like just a spirit of lust that has got a hold of them and doesn't want to let them go. There's a spirit of rebellion. You know, it's like whatever God says or, you know, any person in authority says, right? They just, they just want to rebel against everything, against everything that's God and everything that's good. There's a spirit of rebellion. Sometimes people have a spirit of death, a spirit of death. And a person with the spirit of death on them always thinks that what's happened to them is going to end up, you know, in their death. They get a cold and they go, that's it, it's the end. It's all over. I know how this ends. Sure, it starts with a runny nose, but now I'm going to die. You know, you get a little cut on your hand. Oh God, it's going to get infected. And I know this happens. They're going to amputate above the elbow and then it's the rest of my body and I'm just going to die, right? You think I'm joking? Okay, so maybe those are small things, but how many people do you know that just live with an absolute fear of death and don't even want to go to the doctors? You know why? Because they're worried that the doctor will find something that will result in their death. They have a fear. The doctor looks at their results and before even can say anything, their heart just sinks and they go, that's it, I'm dead, I'm dying, I know it, I've seen that look, you know? And, 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 it's, and it's this thing that can attach itself to people. And I, I, I would say, you know, the spirit of death has been working over time the last couple of years. Just working over time. People panicking and, and, and freaking out about things. I think that there's a, a spirit of death that's been at work. And, and, you know, is this just for the people that are not Christian? Could, could this happen to Christian people? Well, it's interesting. There, there's a few different thoughts about this, right? Well, how could this even happen? This, this oppression that we talk about, could this even happen to a Christian person? And the argument would go maybe something like this. Well, light can't exist with darkness, Correct. Okay, so light can't exist with darkness. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, then you could never have a demon. There's no, there could be no uh, spiritual oppression like that in, in your life. But I don't know if that really works, you know? Like, let's just play that whole scenario out. So we do believe that light and dark can't coexist, right? Yes? Yeah. And you'd be filled with the Spirit, right? Well, if that's true, then you can't sin, there's no room for it, right? Yeah, and we know that that doesn't work, right? Because even though that sin is being atoned for, the reality is, is that you still make mistakes and you still have the capacity to sin and you, you sometimes people do have sin in their lives, even if they are Christians. So that, I don't think that argument really works. I think the reality is, is that what, when we talk about salvation, we often talk about it as one thing, but I believe that I am saved, I'm being saved and I will be saved. And it's a process where God, by God's grace, He will carry me through on into eternity. But sometimes there's these gaps where the enemy 
will try to work into people's lives. Oftentimes in fractured moments of life where terrible things have happened, it's a window of opportunity. And I'm telling you, I've seen it. In the last month, I've seen it. I've seen plenty of Christians manifest with demons and seen stuff come out of them. Why? Because there was an opportunity and the enemy tried to work its way into their lives. There's no possession. They can't own Christians, right? But they absolutely can oppress them. Now, the thing is, is that the enemy wants to get into your life, right? Yeah, because he wants to, what, steal, kill and destroy, yeah? All right, well, don't make it easy for him, all right? There are, hey, listen, depending on how you live your life, you could make it easy for demons to get access to your, to your heart, to your soul. All right, what are some of the things that we could do that would really not help us? Um, seances, those, those are bad. Ouija boards, stay away. I don't even want my horoscope read. I don't want any of that stuff. I mean, there, there are so many ways to allow this stuff access to your heart, right? What you've got to do is shut the door on it. What do you think God calls you to a life of holiness? If you were to live the life that God called you to, you'd turn your back on all of those things. You'd shut the door on all of those things. The reality is there's a lot of Christians that are still struggling with a lot of stuff. And it's in those fractured moments where things begin to get in and try to attach to them. I tell you, one of the, the, the things that they do best, demons, I mean, they will lie to you. They will lie about what's happening in your life. They will feed you your fears. They will paint with beautiful brushstrokes your greatest fear and then serve it up to you. I would love you to have a spirit of fear. That's why I love what the Scriptures say. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love and self-control. And yet the spirit of fear is something that I see grip so many people. It's a spirit of fear. It's trying to get at them. The devil will, and his demons, will lie to you about your identity, lie about who you are. Demons will come and they'll tell you, God could never use you you know, because of that sin that's been in your life or you'll never break free of that. They'll lie to you about how close God is to you right now. They'll lie to you about everything. Why? They want to destroy your life. And I'll tell you the truth, there is a spiritual war that's going on. And if you're part of God's church, we're not talking about a building, guys. We're talking about His eclectic community. If you're part of His ecclesia, if you're part of the community of God, you are called to that fight. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said about this? He said, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not in the strength of your own might. It's not my might that I fight with. It's not really going to help me. If I go to some demon in the name of Ben Fagland, I'm not expecting great results at all. If I speak in the name of Jesus, the name that, it, that strikes fear into the heart of hell, the name that strikes fear into Satan, the name that strikes fear into the demons, right? I, I, I fight with His name. So He says what? 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armour of God because you're going out to war that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There are well thought out planned schemes of the devil. Now he can't be everywhere at once. So who's out working the schemes? Demons, you got it, right? That's what they're working out. I wasn't pointing at anyone, by the way. Yeah? <laughs> who's working at you? No, demons. Verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, which is an idiom for... Humanity. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Gosh, imagine if we could just get that one point. Like you ever find yourself in an argument with somebody and you just feel like you're at war with them? What if you just took a step back and saw a bigger picture? Our, our wrestle so often is not with the people, but in what's demonically behind what's going on in their life. Imagine if we could step back and, and look at the same person, but now see them with a new lens. Would that change something for you? Because it should. Because the very person that you feel like you're at war with, you begin to pray for, because you realise that they are a victim of what's going on in their own life. So what does He say? We're at war, come on. Our wrestle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, and here's the hierarchy against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, some people say that that is a hierarchy of demons. And other people would look at that and say, no, that's not true. But guys, I've only got a few minutes left, so we're not going to talk about that. But we do know that there are demons that are over cities. They have different jobs. We know that they're personal. We know that they will attack an individual. We know that there, are, there is a demonic agenda that's happening. The, the reality is the, the, the demonic realm is at work in this world right now. But what I'm about to tell you next is probably everything that you really do need to know about demons. And if you're gonna remember one thing about this message, the next thing I say, this is it. They are defeated by Jesus Christ. They're defeated by Him totally destroyed. Their time is short. Well, I've read the book. I know what happens in the end. You know what it says? You can read it in Revelation 10, 20, or is it 2010? 2010. It says that the, that the devil and his angels will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. And so we know, they know, they know that their time is short, which is why they're fighting like crazy right now. And if you were, if you were astute and you just, gosh, even if you just watched the opening ceremony of the, uh, uh, not the Olympics, the uh, Commonwealth Games, you, you, you probably see that. If what I just said to you, just Google, you know, don't Google everything, not your symptoms ever. <laughs> All right, spirit of death, come off in Jesus' name, All right? No. Uh, but there, if, you, if you were to lift up your eyes and look around, you would see that there is a, a system that's at work in the world today and it seems to be gathering momentum because I'm telling you, this stuff is real. This stuff is, is coming. But when Jesus, what did He do? Because 
When I read about Jesus, all He did is just talk about His purpose and His mission. His face was set like flint towards Jerusalem and He wasn't stopping for anyone or anything. And He didn't develop an unhealthy obsession with the occult and He wasn't always talking about demons. He just did what He was called by God to do. And when He came across demonic things on the way, He just dealt with it. And He made them be silent and He commanded them to come out and He healed people. And then here's, here's the amazing part, everybody. He actually went to His disciples and He said, everything that I've done is now your job. I want you to do it. Listen to what it says. This, by the way, the thing that I'm about to read to you, we call this the Great Commission. You know why we call it the Great Commission? Is because if you're part of the church, this is what you're supposed to do. You can read it for yourself in Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. That's your job. That's my job. That's what we do. Verse 16, Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. It goes on, but I'm going to stop right there for the sake of today and tell you that it's in the name of Jesus that demons are defeated. You know, James chapter 2, verse 19 says that the demons believe in Him and they shudder when they hear His name. He strikes fear into the heart of the demonic realm. They can't withstand Him. There's no battle against Him. Every battle He's already fought, we've already won. But there is a time that's playing out right now. We have a role in this world to carry on what Jesus did. And what was He doing but advancing the Kingdom of God? So we don't want to get obsessed with, you know, the occult stuff. We don't want to get too caught up in the demonic stuff. I just know what it is and I know the name that's above it. And I've just got to be on mission just the same way that you are. And when we come across stuff, He says, I will give you the key to it. The key is my name, my authority, my power. See, this is the thing that you need to get. You've been clothed with power. You are seated in heavenly places. There is an authority that's on your life that doesn't come because of you, but because of Him. And it's in His name that you carry out that mission. And when you do what He's called you to do, you will see amazing things happen. The Bible is filled with it. We're called to continue with it. Does it make sense? I want you to stand to your feet. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.